I believe that fear, anger, and hurt are God-given, important, innate emotional abilities that we have developed as human beings over time. Fear, anger, and hurt can actually be good, important, evolved skills. They are natural tools that have helped us to protect ourselves and our loved ones for millennia, to focus on the current experience and fight or flee to safety to survive. But in our time and in our place, very few of us are facing the life and death physical dangers of our ancestors. So these raw emotional reactions in our bodies can get out of hand. We can spend too much energy focused on the fear, the anger, or hurt for our perceived emotional survival that we aren't present in our lives. In those times, we are not choosing life. We are choosing existence. So focused on one particular aspect that it overtakes the rest of our point of view. Fear, anger, and hurt can thus narrow our perspective and when that constriction closes us off, we miss out on the richness of our lives. Humans have faced the struggle of this narrowness for nearly all of human history. Today, I see the narrowing effect of fear, anger, and hurt in America on the news, in stories about the sequester budget cuts or NSA surveillance, or the increasing polarization of opinions about every aspect of our national lives, I see also the narrowing effect in our community during discussions about our transition and the future. At this moment, I see it particularly in the biblical story of Jonah that we and all Jews around the world will read this afternoon. The story begins with the word of God coming to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of God, and went down to Yafo, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare for it and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of God. Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of ancient Assyria. It was destroyed some 40 years before the book of Jonah was probably written. They are the wicked empire of the ancient world. In historical reality, Nineveh praised itself in terms of wickedness. This summer, while visiting the British Museum, I shivered, looking at the Lachish reliefs of Nineveh. The reliefs show the destruction of Lachish, an ancient Judean town, showing bloody cruelty, people being impaled and skinned, enslaved and brought low. I have to ask myself, would Jonah really want to go and see these Ninevites get off the hook? I can imagine that God's request confounded and angered Jonah. 
but we don't read about an, an emotional reaction. Instead, Jonah flees. Nineveh is east of ancient Israel, and Tarshish was the far western end of the ancient known world. Well, not every prophet in Israel's history was initially willing and excited about carrying God's message to the people, but Jonah doesn't discuss his initial resistance with God like Moses and Jeremiah did. And perhaps driven by fear of interacting with an enemy nation, anger at God's forgiveness of Nineveh, or hurt at being charged with this task, Jonah's path narrows, and he only seeks to escape from God as if such a feat were possible. While on board the ship, God sent out a great wind into the sea, a tempest so mighty that the ship seemed likely to break up. Then the sailors were afraid, and each one cried out to his own God. They threw supplies and cargo overboard to lighten the ship. During the panic and the chaos, Jonah had gone down into the interior of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. His view is so narrow. He doesn't seem to care about the people on the ship, nor even fear for his own life instead, focusing only on his own need to escape this God-given task. So the ship's captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean by sleeping? Get up. Call upon your God. Perhaps your God will give a thought to us that we will not perish. The superstitious crew wanted to know why their prayers weren't working to calm the sea. They were ready to find a place to lay blame, to focus their anxiety. So they said to one another, come, let us cast lots so we may find out who is bringing this evil upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they begged him to identify himself to them and explain the storm. He said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear Adonai, the God of heaven, who has made the sea and the dry land. Jonah told the men that he was fleeing from the presence of Adonai. Then the men were very afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? What shall we do to you that the sea may calm down for us? And Jonah said to the sailors, Take me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will calm down for you, because I know it is because of me that this great tempest is upon you. And they cried to Adonai because they believed that throwing Jonah into the water was a death sentence. They said, we pray to you, O Adonai, let us not perish because of this man's life. Don't hold us guilty of shedding innocent blood. For you, O Adonai, have done as it pleased you. And so they took Jonah up and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men revered Adonai and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. God appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three nights and three days. Then Jonah prayed to Adonai from the belly of the fish, and God spoke to the fish, and it spit Jonah out 
upon the dry land. And the word of God came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I bid you. And now physically, if not emotionally compliant, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of God. But he took his fear, his anger, and his hurt with him. Jonah only preaches five words to the Ninevites. Ode, Arba'im, Yom, Ve'Ninevah, Nepachet. Another 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. From that small, begrudging bit of prophecy, the inhabitants of the city of Nineveh change their ways. Everyone repents and fasts, from the king and the nobles, to the common people, to the animals. No food, no water, dressed in sackcloth, they cried mightily to God and turned from their evil ways, their violence, oppression, treachery, and fraud. Seeing this, God repented the evil planned for the city and did not do it. Immediately after these events, Jonah is furious and ready to talk about why. He had resisted his call to prophecy because of his anger. Jonah preaches only five words to the wicked Ninevites, and they repent immediately, people and animals alike. After 66 chapters of Isaiah, 52 chapters of Jeremiah, 48 chapters of Ezekiel, and the impassioned words of many other prophets, the Israelites still resist God's call to repentance and just actions. But for the Ninevites, five words from a resentful prophet were sufficient. Israel looks commonplace and stubborn. The evil Ninevites look exceedingly pious. Jonah can't tolerate God's behavior in forgiving these people. And instead of discussing the situation as he understands it with God, Jonah asks God for death, saying, now, Lord, please take my life, for it is better for me to die than live. Jonah is so angry, so narrow-sighted and afraid of the only future he can see that he doesn't understand the bigger picture. Where God increases peace in the world through forgiveness, where God employs him, an Israelite, to save the capital city of Assyria, and thus build a strong bond of trust and of gratitude between those two nations for the future. No. No, Jonah asks for death. And God, like a counselor, asks Jonah, are you that deeply angry? And rather than engage the question, the story tells us that Jonah left the city and sat east of it made a booth to dwell there so he could watch and wait to see if anything would happen to the city. Does Jonah storm off from God's question? Is Jonah going to meditate on God's intentions for Nineveh, for repentance and increasing peace rather than violence and death in the world? No. No, the details about how he departs from his conversation with God and what he plans to do alone east of the city are missing. But he goes, he sits, and he seems to stew over his situation 
and the incomprehensible salvation of Nineveh. Devising a lesson to broaden Jonah's perspective, God appoints a plant to grow up over Jonah to shade him and save him from his anger and distress. And it works. Jonah feels great joy about the plant, his anger receding, but when dawn comes the next day, God causes the plant to wither. The sun beats down on Jonah's head. Jonah faints and says, as he said before, it is better for me to die than live. Engaging Jonah again, God asks, are you so deeply angry about the plant? This time Jonah responds, yes, so deeply that I want to die. And it is then that God delivers the lesson. You cared about the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you grow it, which appeared overnight and perished overnight. And should I not care about Nineveh, that great city where there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and many animals as well. The book ends with that challenge to Jonah's perspective, angry to the core, afraid and hurt, and thinking too small. Jonah, Jonah, you are only imagining your needs moment to moment, trying to save yourself and survive to live another day. But there is a great, big world out there, a world in need of repentance and change, a world in need of second chances for peace and kindness. God is saying to Jonah, widen your focus and look beyond yourself. See what can be done in this partnership between you, God, and Nineveh. Jonah is missing the opportunities. Imagine an Israelite saving Nineveh and building bridges of peace for the future. How different the world could be more whole more peaceful if we each would strive to build such bridges. But Jonah doesn't get it. The book leaves him hurt and angry over the death of the plant. We don't know how Jonah responded to God's challenge. He is frozen for eternity in his fear, anger, and hurt. We are not. We can respond to God's challenge. We can do better than Jonah. We just heard the Torah command us to choose life. Uvacharta v'chayim. Choose life, the Torah says, through loving God and living by Jewish values. I would challenge you the same way, but today, these words reverberate anew. Uvacharta v'chayim. Choose life. In them, I hear the command to live a deeper life, a fuller life. We can do better than Jonah. In a conversation about managing, enduring fear and anger, Dr. Dan Somberg, member of our congregation and a psychologist, shared this metaphor with me. Think of the toy called a Chinese finger trap. There are two ends, and one finger goes in on each side. When you try to pull away on both sides, it tightens. In fact, the more you struggle, the more it tightens, and you are stuck. But if you accept where you are, 
Relax your hands and push your fingers together. Space opens. You resolve the dilemma and you are able to free yourself from the trap. The work of this Yom Kippur is not for fear, anger, or hurt to disappear, but to find the balance that enables us to see more. When we broaden our focus and manage our concerns, we can do better than Jonah. Jonah was afraid because someone else was controlling his life. That hurt and fear led to anger. Are you holding on to anger at a member of your family, a friend or a colleague at work or school? Is fear driving your decisions, controlling your life? It doesn't have to. And we can begin this work today. Today is the day. We can start this work by relaxing from the emotional finger trap of our minds. We can begin, as Jonah did, with prayer. Pray. Pray in all humility. Use today to go to God for help to manage your fear, anger, and hurt. Acknowledge where you need help and ask. God counsels Jonah about getting out from under the narrowing effect of his anger. The psalmist affirms that there is a wide expanse for each of us to leave from our narrowness into a broader view of life. As it says in Psalm 118, Min hametzar karati ya out of my narrowness, I called upon God. God answered me with wide open space. Choose life. Broaden the focus. Manage the concerns. We can do better than Jonah. There is no question that when Jonah gets on the boat to Tarshish, he is going in the wrong direction. He is headed away from Nineveh and away from the presence of God. Rather than drown in the sea of Jonah's own choosing, God appointed a fish to swallow him. According to chapter 2 of the book, Jonah was in the fish for three days. But the chapter only records eight verses of prayer from Jonah during all of those three days. And right after the prayer, the fish spews Jonah out onto dry land. What was he doing in there the rest of the time? <laughs> I think he was wrestling, coming to terms with himself and God. I think he was trying to manage his anger, his pain, and his fear. Jonah prayed to God in there, a prayer that talks about calling to God from a pit, from below the mountains in the heart of the sea. In that prayer, Jonah acknowledges the narrow place in which he has been dwelling, first emotionally and now physically inside the great fish. But the lesson doesn't stay with him, for as soon as he is released from the fish, Jonah returns to his anger. We can do better. 
I hope that this Yom Kippur will be your fish. I hope that this Yom Kippur will be your way off the boat headed to the wrong destination. This day is the time to get off the wrong track and start pointing yourself toward the right destination. Allow yourself to be swallowed in the meditative prayer and learning of this day. Take the time to reflect and wrestle and begin to expand beyond your narrowness. Start to think about the new possibilities in your life that this new year can bring. New ways to approach your relationships. New possibilities in your work time, your play time, and the time you spend learning new things professionally, personally, and Jewishly. Think about your habits of anger, hurt, or fear that narrow your view and close you off to the wider experiences of your life. Jonah had three days of solitude. You have today to get started. At the end of this Yom Kippur, you will emerge, and hopefully, you will be on your way to a wider view, a deeper life. In the end, Jonah was still struggling to see the bigger picture. You can do better than Jonah. May your good inscription in the Book of Life be completed with a good ceiling. Gmar Khatima Tobah.